Paper Flower Consortium, Episode 10, Perpetual Reinvention. Recording by Loretta Fabrana Boy, a former lady of the Kingdom of France and the current historian and librarian of the Paper Flower Consortium. Welcome back, my beloved initiates. Tonight, we will be speaking on the importance of reinvention and education to the vampire. Due to a recent Dracula miniseries, some people believe vampires can simply drink the blood of a modern person and learn their language and contemporary lifestyle. If only it were that easy. As you may remember, in the novel, the original Count Dracula kept English books and newspapers in his remote castle. This means he taught himself English long before Jonathan Harker arrived. In fact, he asked Harker to help him with intonations. And the coven has seen this with our own population of vampires, because staying current with language takes so much time, even if you already know the language. For example, our own Derek Miller spoke English, of course, He was born in England. And even in the 1850s, most Americans loved a posh English accent. But Derek was born in a low-class neighborhood in London. So he forcibly abolished his Cockney accent when we came to America. He felt it sounded uncouth. And then for decades, he had the transatlantic accent of a radio announcer. And when that slowly disappeared from modern usages in the 1940s and 50s, Derek's accent also toned into the West Coast American accent, which you hear today. And it's not just accents. People often forget that words change generation to generation. Some people believe vampires are intrinsically formal creatures and At times, we can come across as a little snobby, but the only reason we tend to speak formally is keeping up with modern slang is difficult. Words change, meaning generation to generation. For example, the word awesome. When I was a girl, God, or perhaps the king, gave people a sense of awe. But once the word awesome just means great, it lost its meaning of wonderful and terrifying at the same time. Now people say chicken is awesome, or coleslaw is awesome. We do keep up with language the same way others do, through the consumption of media. But, as I have said before, we also have torpor, when we need a rest from all the generational changes. And finally, we have the re-education fund. This is paid for by our HOA dues. Well, the coven dues also go to maintaining and upkeeping the building, garbage collection, water, heating, and temperature control, like many buildings in the Seattle area. There is one line item which is only found in vampire covens, and this is the re-education fund. All the vampires of the coven has access to this fund when they need it. And it can be used to pay for university, technical, or vocational re-education. Centuries ago, perhaps, it was possible for a stagnant vampire who could live in a small coven and ignore the outside world, but the world doesn't work that way, especially this modern world with computers and instant communication. 
also. By developing new skills and learning new things, eternity is not only endurable, it becomes pleasant. And of course, the other reason to stay current with language and technology is vampires often like to have jobs, or at least something to fill their time. With a job or career, a person can earn money. And if you earn money, you have freedom of choice. All vampires must have freedom of choice. We, us elder vampires, were once asked, why don't you just sell some of gold to blooms instead of work? And the answer to that is, because gold to blooms were Spanish coins and I had never been to Spain, and nor has Charles. Moreover, vampires do not stockpile, and we never have so much that we hurt others, and certainly not enough that we can be idle and exist in frivolity for centuries. I will not pretend money does not buy happiness because it is proven that money brings security and security allows one to relax and be happy. But stockpiling gobs of cash and coin will not bring happiness and vampires do not exist in suffering. Like most Americans, vampires' wealth is mainly in our homes or the land that surrounds our covens. But we have several added expenses due to our night hour existence and allergy to the sun. We often do not work during prevalent business hours. Also, generational wealth grows, but it also waxes and wanes, especially when it is squandered. In the last Great Depression, much of our liquid wealth disappeared, and I can only assume it will happen again. That being said, after a few centuries, most vampires have some wealth. There are other reasons to work rather than just money, Many older vampires work for self-fulfillment and challenge, as well as the money. It makes one happy to contribute to our community. Jobs are essential as it gives the vampires something to do with eternity. Yet, all vampires know their jobs will change or at least transform during their existence. And now, I will tell you the story of my beloved firstborn, Bai Shou, a relatively young vampire of 132 years who has gone through three career changes. I will begin by telling you it is my sorrow that Sho came to us in grief. Charles and I found him kneeling in the bushes in February of 1886 outside the coven, which at that point was just a barn. He looked like a frozen deer, his eyes open wide, his heart racing. At that time, Georgetown was its own town, not part of Seattle, but we knew what was going on in the city, especially against the Chinese. And we understood Sho was scared, because back then, the night was dark. Only stars and a sliver of a moon offered any light. And of course, most humans fear the pure dark, because they cannot see in the dark. Every shadow might be a man who might hurt him, and there was no way to know if every footstep was a friend, foe, or wild animal. Now, I don't know if it was something in Sho's eyes or I had a momentary telepathic connection, but I remembered my own childhood as a Huguenot in a Catholic country. I wanted to tell him I would help him, but I didn't speak any Mandarin. In fact, at that point, I only spoke French, but Charles had been speaking Chinook Wawa and a bit of English since he came to America. For those who do not know, Chinook Wawa used to be a mixed contact language used for trading, but... Now, it is a Creole, and spoke by the Grand Ron. At any rate, 
We tried to see if we could help Sho, and hoped he understood us. Once Charles began to speak, of course Sho knew English and Chinookwawa, and Mandarin. Because, you see, Sho was born in Seattle 26 years prior. He had all races of clients at his parents' herbary. At that point, many people were still speaking Chinookwawa quite often, sometimes even as a way to prove how long their families had lived in the area. Also, first, Sho thought we were the souls of wicked humans who had been reborn as demons. Plus, we are white, and it was white people who started this riot against the Chinese, so he was terrified. However, he really didn't have very many other options. He was completely lost. And when I put out my hands and told him not to worry, Charles translated as best as he could. We soon learned that he had lost his parents and younger siblings somewhere in the woods. He didn't know where. His two younger brothers, who were 18 and 19 respectively, had moved much faster than the others. And his parents were struggling with the children, who were still children. And suddenly they had disappeared behind him somewhere. And Sho, who had been trying to keep everyone together, had slowed for this moment, and his younger brothers disappeared in front of him. And there was so much shouting, and he tried to circle around to find his parents, but then he found himself lost in the darkness. And we offered him shelter in our home. He wouldn't accept it. So we offered him a blanket and a bowl of cow's meat, which Charles cooked in front of him so he knew we weren't trying to hurt him. And he accepted that. Charles went to get Derek, who was able to pry the family image out of Sho's mind. And Derek and Charles went to go look for them, thinking they too may be nearby, but we couldn't find them. I did not expect to turn him. I had actually once hoped that we would find his family. We just didn't. He looked for his parents every day, and we had heard many Chinese people had taken shelter with the indigenous peoples, and so he checked there. And though he found some families of his people, he did not find his own. And so Sho began returning to the barn, and we fed him. And one night it stormed terribly, and he came inside. And once he was inside, Agatha cared for him, and she once doted upon Pascaline and I, and upon Derek. And Sho remained in the coven for several more weeks. As I said, Sho already knew Chinookwawa, so he already had a basic knowledge of some French words. Still, I just was surprised at how quickly he spoke French to us. Of course, his American version of English was cleaner than Derek's being born here, and so Derek was able to listen carefully and eradicate the last of his Cockney accent. Finally, after a few weeks, when Sho felt it was safe, he went back in Seattle and reopened the herb shop, though now it was more focused on confectionaries as he had found that to be the most profitable products for his business. And Derek and Jacob popped in with legal documents that needed translating, and eventually translations and simply writing letters home for loggers and miners became the more profitable business rather than confections because writing letters had very little overhead. Since Sho had lost his first family, I thought he might marry and have children of his own, but instead he grew closer to our family. And though I did not leave the coven much at that time, Sho visited me often. He said sometimes he felt that I worried about him, which I did. And later, when he asked me to transform him, I did. Obviously, back then, there was not the initiation training as there is now, but we did ensure that he understood his sweet shop would close entirely if he couldn't be open in the daylight. And we told him to collect a large jar of earth from underneath the shop, 
to hold memories of home and hearth, his parents and siblings, which he did. And after he became a vampire, it became a natural progression to translate full-time. Over the next decades, he learned several more languages, Cantonese, German, Japanese, Arabic. And moreover, he learned to understand the strands of interconnectedness between languages and how they developed. And this helped him master certain things about languages that the layman just doesn't know. And I believe my firstborn was happy until the 1960s. At that point, Charles and I had begun growing our family. Charles had successfully transformed Jeffrey in 1951, and I had Michelle and Vera. And Sho informed me that sometimes he felt ganged up on by his younger coven siblings. He felt closer to us than them as there were so many generational differences. And insertion here, I am so thankful to Norma, who understood this better than any of us. Sho was a dutiful son to his human parents, and he worked their shop without complaint. And he is a wonderful firstborn to me, and very much my beloved. But now we were in the nuclear age. He had a little money set aside and wanted to travel. I told him he should. He collected his earth and packed a bag. Now, Charles has had vampire guests from a coven in New York, and he introduced Sho to them. And so Sho planned on visiting them. And he made it to SeaTac with a reservation on a red eye to New York and loose plans to meet up with them. He didn't know quite where he would go altogether, but if he left New York, he had Gaius's numbers in Hamburg and Sophie's number in Paris, and we had sent Philippa a letter of introduction if he made it as far east as Romania. And as we figured Gaius had contacts over the world, if Sho wanted to encircle the globe and learn about everything, there was no reason he couldn't. But when he disembarked the plane in New York, he felt as if something broke inside him, as if something was wrong with his blood if his body had begun to fail. Perhaps he even started aging again, but he couldn't know because he had no reflection. He sat down on a bench, and he felt as if everyone was staring at him, as if they knew he was a vampire. And instead of calling our friends in New York, he had Norma paged. And Norma answered the page within minutes. And he tried to speak, but he saw words slipping out of his mind and lost his ability to think critically or in English. And he was so afraid that someone would hurt him, but Norma told him not to worry, and she informed him she would call their friends in New York to give him shelter, but Sho would not leave the airport. He said he couldn't figure out the time. He only knew the sun would rise in the east, and he was on the east coast. Thankfully, camera technology and other security systems weren't what they are today. Sho was able to find a bathroom and hide. In disguise, Norma flew to New York. They stayed a day in a nearby hotel and then took a flight home. As he had lost his power of speech, we assumed he needed torpor, and we got him into the sanctum. We were thankful his affairs were largely tied up, since he had planned on going to an extended vacation anyway. When show emerged a decade later, he still wanted to travel, but the personal computer was beginning to be marketed to consumers, and show saw his next passion. Most home computers were sold already manufactured in beige plastic enclosures. But Sho wanted a kit to teach himself the inner workings of the machine. But he was too afraid to head out into the city. Thankfully, we had Norma, who had never left the world, and now three younger sisters who lived in the past few decades and encouraged him to go into the city with them. 
and Show saw that the city was different, but still the same in many ways. And Norma suggested he still try to make that trip to New York. So Show did spend a week in New York with our friends who exist there, and then he rented a car and drove around a few neighboring states. Afterwards, he flew to Paris and spent a few nights. He met up with Gaius and Sophie, who Gaius especially loves playing tour guide. He went to see Jacob's old manor lands and sought out other places we had told him about. And he felt the history of those places and touched the earth which we once walked and felt our memories. And he collected extra jars of our earth so we might know what happened in those places in the centuries we had been gone. And then he came home. And using the re-education fund, Sho returned to the University of Washington and after four years earned a degree in computer science along with several technical certifications. He learned the inner workings of computers as well as several languages. Then he was recruited towards startups, but especially after his trip abroad, his goal was to work in the coven. It had become apparent our coven would need someone to ensure the security and function of our computers as more businesses became computerized. He brought up the need at a meeting and we all agreed. It goes without saying here that all vampires and thralls who work for the coven are paid fair market wages. Show was not the only vampire of our coven taken in by the new world of technology. Derek Jacob and Vera had already shifted away from using typewriters to using to computers, and Norma was an early adopter of all communication technology. But even so, none of us knew how it worked. As far as we knew, there were elves inside the boxes. But Show knew, and he has kept up with computer technology since then. And now the coven has grown. Show manages a staff to assist him. So I do not know when Show or any of us will shift careers again, but there are ways for us to do so. And it is important if you want to be a vampire that you understand that. And now a word from our sponsor. Vampires, do you dislike ripped denim? thin fabrics, and how well-made modern clothing is covered in labels? Well, MYT Clothier creates handmade custom clothing and accessible styles for all body types from all eras, including this one. We use the best quality handwoven silk embroidery from China, damask from France, and Italian-made leathers and other fine fabrics. And if you wish to look like you have stepped out of time or even reality with some fantastical design, we can make that happen too. Werewolf Friends We have a wide variety of double-woven stretchy materials for those quick transformations. If our custom clothing tears when you transform, we'll fix it or replace it for free. At MYT Clothier, quality is our style. Call for a fitting tonight. Now time for questions. Initiate Nikki asks, Lady Loretta, So I'm a little confused. Did boredom or generational gaps cause show to go into torpor? As I said before, torpor happens when a vampire needs to rest between generations. And I believe it was the sudden influx of vampires into our coven. Sho had just not experienced that yet. And this was really the first time he had to change the way he thought about his existence due to the generation in which he was born. Before the Great Depression, people joined the coven almost accidentally in a way. We fell into vampirism as a way out of our situations. Whether that was poverty, racism, sexism, religious persecution, etc. However, Derek's firstborn, William, came to the coven wanting to be a vampire, and afterwards we started to see a subtle shift in initiates. They, of course, had the same problems, but they came knowing more about vampirism than anyone thought possible due to written fiction and films. And Sho saw the shift in culture 
when Charles and I began growing our family, Sho keenly felt this generation gap. In human terms, he's much closer to Derek's age than he is anyone else, and he had 10 languages to keep up with. It simply became too much, and I believe his body was telling him to slip into torpor. Because, as I said, torpor is a way we can catch up. I just thank God that my beloved firstborn faltered before he left the country, though Gaius or one of our other allies would have no doubt helped him if he had been in Europe. Rest well, beloved initiates, and sleep the sleep of the dead. The Paperflower Consortium podcast was written and performed by Elizabeth Gazzetti. For more information, please visit www.elizabethgazzetti.com slash paperflowerconsortium. And while you're there, please click on the Ask Lady Loretta button or email her at info at paperflowerconsortium.com. If you want to support the show, please like and share this episode or consider donating either one time or through the Patreon. The amazing intro and outro music was written by Evan Witt, and you can learn more about his work at www.wittynotes.com. Thanks for listening.